Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And just a reminder, our home base is wedontdie.com, where you can find our upcoming medium classes, past recordings. You can join our Facebook group. And of course, we've got our free Sunday gathering that happens 2 p.m. Eastern time, New York time, every single Sunday. Very inspirational, comforting, joyful, and there's a medium demonstration included. So all that at wedontdie.com. Our guest today is scientist Dr. Garrett Yant from the Institute of Noetic Sciences. Dr. Yant has been a long-standing, has had a long-standing interest in developing methods and technologies for bridging molecular neurobiology with aspects of consciousness. He has conducted carefully controlled laboratory experiments with spiritual healers and biofield practitioners from all around the world. Dr. Yant has been researching the science of energy vibes for over 20 years and is the author of the book, Why Vibes Matter, Understanding Your Energy and learn how to use it wisely. Of course, there is so much more to him, but we'll let you hear that when he speaks in his own words. You can find out more about him and the Institute that bridges science and spirituality at noetic.org. Dr. Garrett Yant, welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited. Always nice to meet a new friend and you're up to things that I've never had a conversation with another person about. So if you <laughs> wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about you and what got you into this incredible field, maybe a little bit about your history. Mm, sure, sure. Well, I think the main stream of events that got me to this spot is having basically psychic experiences when I was a kid, you know, minor ones, and then there was one pretty dramatic event that that definitely shifted my perspective. I think basically I saw through the house, um, so it could be called clairvoyance. Um, I was I was reading the Lord of the Rings, you know, the fantasy book, and I think that that probably contributed to why this information was able to come through because my my mind was in this world of where magic is possible. Uh, but my experience was that. I was seeing the scene in the book, very into it. I loved those books. And then it was like the channel switched in my mind where it just switched to the scene of my parents in my bedroom, in my closet, discovering something that I have been hiding in there from them. <laughs> and so there's probably another reason why they broke through this you know, barrier of keeping this information out. Like to me, at age 13, this was a big deal. I was going to, you know, getting busted. So I threw the book down or ran across the house, ran down the stairs across and uh, ran into my bedroom and they were in the exact position. So I just was overwhelmed with um, this realization or this belief that, yeah, I just saw through space and time basically and just became passionate about trying to figure out what's, what is the mind, theories of mind. Started reading a bunch of Eastern philosophy and just got on this path and that ended me up at ions with other scientists that are interested in this kind of kind of thing. So I feel really fortunate to be here now. And going to school, this was something like, how do I research this? Yeah. I mean, that's I, wild, you know? Yeah. 
I just, yeah, I want to go into school. What pops to mind is getting my first C for, this was again in elementary school or junior high, because I was reading these Eastern books and we had to do a book report on an autobiography. And I did it on uh, T. Lapsang Rampa's book. I think it's called The Third Eye. And I got to see because the teacher said, this is not an autobiography. This is fiction. You know, you didn't follow the assignment. So, <laughs> of course. Um, but then, yeah, I went to uh, get a PhD in molecular neurobiology. Wanted to, you know, meld the sciences. I was very interested in, in genomics and neuroscience and I do, you know, I, when I got into the first year of graduate school, and again, this was 30 years ago. So um, they're no. like, I realized if I said the word consciousness one more time, I was going to be out before the qualifying exam. So I had to just uh, focus and do kind of the mechanics of kind of mind gene stuff. And then I um, got out and was like, I want to do consciousness research. And I actually found the Institute of Neuroatic Sciences through Stanley Krippner at a lucid dreaming conference in Chicago, just as I was uh, searching around. He said, you should come out to San Francisco. There's a bunch of people out there that will into this type of thing. So that's how I found IONS. Pretty cool. Did you come to realize that your experience, your psychic experience was tied into lucid dreaming or were you fully awake when that happened? I was fully awake. It, yeah, there's no necessary connection with that. It's just that turns out at this lucid dreaming conference stanley krippner is he gave a he was just the best speaker at this conference and that's why i went up to him you know he's like really smart um so i just i was also you know as this as i was having this experience and exploring what are the powers of the mind um i started to try to do lucid dreaming and astral projection you know reading all the books uh trying to do stuff i've always wanted i've never been able to see auras i still want to see them even then, when I got married, I had asked my wife to give me acupuncture, um, you know, to try to open up my ability to see auras. That's one thing I cannot do. I can tell you, <laughs> not yet anyway. So it was just part of my exploration into what is possible to yeah. experience. Talk a little bit about um, what astral projection and lucid dreaming are. Yeah. I don't know if everybody knows what those mean. Yeah, they're definitely different. I mean, they're very related. And sometimes it's kind of like, oh, are they the same thing? So um, lucid dreaming is, it's really a state uh, during sleep. It's a, its whenever you go into the dream. Let's say your brain is in the sleep state, which actually means during normal dreaming, the our prefrontal cortex is kind of offline. And that's partly why, uh, we're, you know, we're paralyzed in our rapid eye movement part of sleep, you know, so that our body's not jerking around. Um but in a lucid dream, you bring your self-awareness into the dreamscape. So you suddenly realize, oh, I'm a, my body's asleep in bed, but I'm this self-reflective awareness that we're using right now to talk. That's awake inside the dream. And so that gives you the opportunity to utilize the dream in, in uh, new and therapeutic ways. Uh, that's one of the things we studied with folks with PTSD. Um, and actually, you now neuroscientists have shown that the prefrontal cortex lights up at that point when you become lucid in the dream. So that's like a, that's a dream state. Astral projection is the purportedly when you know, energetic aspect of your body, your astral body, leaves the physical body, separates from like you know the ideas that we are this conglomerate of energy patterns and 
So at astral projection, you're able to move your consciousness and leave your body asleep there and travel around. Um, so that's that can be achieved from meditative states. Um, it could, you know, very potentially be uh, launched into from dream states, but that's typically not the way it's done. Typically, it's conscious action to do. Have you had experiences in these yourself? I have had one experience of what I believe was astral projection, and it uh, was pretty dramatic. <laughs> My body actually had a reaction to it, which I was told is not uncommon because it's such a shock to the physiology. So um, I had it one time, it was pretty profound, never had it again. I actually never tried again. Um, for me, lucid dreaming is is where it's at for me um, because of the the ability to basically access your subconscious mind and kind of grow through that. Um, you know, the study we did was involving folks with PTSD and their goal was to go in a dream and transform their trauma in the dream. This was done in uh, with Charlie Morley. He's a fantastic lucid dreaming teacher out of London. You can find him online, uh, charliemorley.com. Sorry, my image froze there. That's okay. Just keep um, going with it. We'd so, do. and he, you know, we'd seen results. He was doing workshops with people with PTSD for a long time and had great results. Got a Winston Churchill, you know, fellowship award for it all. And so we said, oh, let's see if we can put a little science, you know, combine it with the science and see if we could get some data out of this rather than just people's testimonials. So we did a pilot study two years ago. It turned out incredibly well. Folks, nightmares uh, going away, PTSD symptoms going down, lasting a whole month, we checked again. So that was just published in the journal Traumatology. So I'm very happy it got published in that journal because it's a mainstream APA journal. It, it hopefully we'll get you know the this idea out there and people will research it more and understand more about the you know therapeutic potential of these lucid dreams. And so we actually just have now repeated that with a larger group, with a con randomized control group, you know, really formalized. So uh, stay tuned. A couple of months, we should know what that how that turns out. Well, I'm excited by this. I was searching you out on YouTube today and seeing some of the videos. And there's so many people that have suffered a loss of a loved one. And I know what it's like to go through deep grief. And although it's uh, different than PTSD, I couldn't help but think, could lucid dreaming impact somehow and lessen grief? And we all, I feel like the only way to get to the other side of grief is straight through it. But there's <laughs> definitely things we can do to help alleviate the pain, to help us believe that our loved ones are still around. And I, so I, I went to the ions.org website today and I booked a class in, in lucid dreaming, the four right. session class. Because I said, it's something I, I know about. I think I've had a few accidental lucid dreaming experiences mm -hmm. and they're so clear and I could go where I wanted to go and create yeah. what I wanted to create. But you know, what if I wanted to create my dad and give him a big hug and say, mm -hmm. dad, I know you're still with me. You know, I think it could really help with the grieving process. I, I agree 100%. I don't have any experience with that, and we haven't studied it. But from what I've you know learned from Charlie Morley as he's teaching these folks, 
is, you know, one thing he says that in his lineage is from Tibetan Buddhism. He says that the Buddhists say that in the lucid dream, so what, you know, they really recommend meditating in that state. And they say that you have seven times the mind power in the lucid dream. So your meditations will be seven times as powerful. And just like you're saying, the process of grieving could be, you know, working through that and transforming that trauma could be seven times better in there. Um, but it, and it also fits with a lot of the work that these folks with PTSD did, because many of them did have PTSD from traumas and losses. And so they could, you know, ask to, you know, ask, as you saw, you can do whatever you want in the dream. Um, but they could, yeah, ask to reconcile or ask to convey and share love, you know, their love with somebody and had that experience. So I think that could be very powerful. I agree. Now, I know it's a process, lucid dreaming, getting into that, but could you just give like a, like a little sample? Is it something we go to bed at night and we wake up, set the alarm for 3am and then meditate? <laughs> I mean, what's, what's the yeah. basic way in? There's, yeah, happen? there's so many, so many ways. And I can, I can for sure you tell you, you know, some of the, some of the fun, quick ones. Um, and all this I learned from Charlie Morley, by the way. But the first thing he says to everybody is the very first step is increasing your dream recall. So the more the more that you remember your dreams, you're the better off you are. And it's kind of the idea of you just think about, okay, this is this waking state of consciousness. It's one kind of state. And the dream state is over here. Building bridges across those states, kind of increasing those ties. You just throw a rope over there. Well, it works in the opposite direction. So the more that your waking state remembers your dream state, the more chances that in your dream state, you can remember your waking state. And so that's the first step. And so he just said, get a dream log, put a little pad of paper and, you know, pencil beside your bed. There's different people like different ways. Somewhat people like to put it in their phones or just a voice recorder. I like to roll over it and kind of don't even need to open my eyes just scribble down something on the page and just a few words. Cause that's all it takes to like lock in that experience. Um, and then importantly for this, you start doing it. And even you wake up by the time you roll over, you, you didn't remember any dreams or it's already around that corner. As you know, dreams can just be like, Oh, I remember it, but it's right, right there. Um, even on those days, still write down, could not recall my dream this morning, or it just went around the corner because it builds that habit of your conscious mind is linking to your subconscious mind. So even if you don't remember the dream, just write down, wasn't able to remember my dream because that's still reinforcing the habit. So that's number one. Number two, I would say my favorite and what allowed me to get loose for the first time, I actually learned this from Carlos Castaneda, his book, Journey to Ixland. And Charlie's confirmed this. So you, you give yourself kind of a self-hypnotic suggestion as you're falling asleep. And the one that I learned from Castaneda was, I will look at my hand in my dream tonight and say that over and over at least three times. Like just give yourself that certainty that you'll look at, I will look at my hand in my dream tonight. And then if you're lucky in your dream, you'll be, you know, doing something and you'll see your hand and you'll be like, oh, I see my hand. I see my hand and I'm the one that said I'm going to see my hand in my dream and that can light up the lucidity. Um, so that worked for me. Now, Robert Wagner, who's going to teach the course that you just signed up for, who's also an awesome teacher, he adds a little bit to that technique for his self-hypnotic suggestion is, I will look at my hand tonight in my dream, 
and I will realize that I'm dreaming. Like he just like finishes the whole thought. Um, kind of the A goes to B, and then B goes to C. So there's, I'd say those are the first two things to start with. Uh, how do you, how's that sound? That's that perfect. Easy enough? <laughs> well, it sounds easy, but like anything, it takes practice. It takes commitment, right? Yeah. And journaling would be good. Journaling is good. I'll throw in one more that's really fun too. It's called reality testing, which is during the day, like 10 times, just test your reality. Be like, am I dreaming right now? And Charlie would like, you pull your finger and if your finger goes wrong like that, oh, I'm dreaming. And then you're dreaming. But of course, almost all the time you do it like, oh, I'm not dreaming. But again, that's a building a habit throughout the day in your waking state of just questioning your reality. Then that habit will carry into your dream state You'll be dreaming and then you can question it and, and then find the answers. Yeah, you are dreaming. And that stuff can easily happen. I, after COVID hit, I got some bird feeders and now I'm a bird watcher and I've got, <laughs> a, I've got a smart bird feeder. So when a bird is on the perch for long enough, it's like a picture gets taken of it. Oh. And so it's great. It's called a bird buddy. And I was going through them just before I went to bed last night and just you know, all these happy birds well, what shows up in my dream is, yeah. you know, is I've got a big cage and I've got all these different colored birds and things. So, I mean, to me, that's because I thought about it before bed, but it shows just, you know, doing that reality test or mm-hmm. what we put in there. If we do it often enough, I'd much rather have those kind of dreams than, you know, from crazy stuff in my past that I don't need, I don't want to revisit, right? Yeah. <laughs> So it can make us active. I want to talk to you a bit about the afterlife and just see what Mm. your beliefs are. If you think consciousness that, because I know I've done remote viewing and some interesting things that I 100% believe that we go on after 26 years of investigating. And now this is, I think, episode 410 of this show. (laughs) You know, Uh. I've got my beliefs. What yeah. do you think about that and our consciousness surviving death? Well, I for sure believe it. I can't say that I know any you know, convincing evidence of it, but it is basically the personal experiences that just like, okay, well, obviously I'm not just limited to this brain. I mean, you can just, it's you know, the experiences make it obvious. And so then basically that's the source of my belief about that. Um, you know, as you know, there are, our, this, the team at IONS, we do have a, one of the researchers, Dr. Helene Wabe, who does active research on channeling. And Arno Delorme has also done research uh, with Helene on mediumship. I think Dean Radin's done some research on mediumship. So I'm kind of a, that's going on around me in terms of the actual like direct science. Um, I haven't done any of my own. There is one story that I researched for the book that seems like right on the verge of it. I'm not sure if you, if you think this would be kind of as relevant as it seems to me. So this is a chapter on psychic connections with, you know, the loved ones. And it's a story written by Annie Cap, C-A-P. And uh, this woman, she's in, she's in Oregon. Her mother's in the UK and she knew her mom was in the hospital, but her sister had said, it's no big deal. She just had a fainting spell. So they're just keeping her overnight. No big deal. But she's in the middle of work and she starts gasping for air and gurgling and like having a panic attack full on, but with this weird choking, gagging, gurgling. 
and she's just overwhelmed and completely stressed and not know what's going on. So she, you know, thinks to call her mother and her sister picks up and is like, oh my God, I can't believe you called. Mom's dying right now. Her lungs are filling with blood. She can't get out. She's gurgling. And then Annie heard the sounds being made by her mother just at that very same time. And then, you know, she put the phone and she got to say, you know, I love you. And her mother died right then. So, you know, that's pretty remarkable. I think, you know, it's been called an empathetic death experience. So it's kind of like a near-death experience or a crossover experience. But for that to happen, you know, for, for Annie Cap's mother, her consciousness to be able to connect and have that kind of visceral, like, mimicking reaction. Um, I know it doesn't prove, like, the very next step, like, where does her mother go? But I feel like once it's out there and you've got this going on, then, yeah, that's it's definitely not not the end. Yeah. Def- uh, Dr. Jeffrey Long has done a lot of research on near-death experiences, and somebody mm-hmm. just posted an article with him that he's like, I've researched 5,000 near-death experiences, and I'm 100% convinced we go on. There's such a world, whether it's the um, shared death experience and near-death mm-hmm. experiences and mediums and all, this whole world. And mm-hmm. I think for us human beings, I don't know why we have such a pull to buy in that we're just our body and what we think our mind is. You know, we live in this ever expanding universe that we can, can't even get our heads around how large it is. And then when you look at the quantum level of things, and, you know, if we put a little camera and an atom that's making us up, we'd be just invisible vibrating energy. Yet we think everything is real, right? (laughs) That's right. That's right. It's so true. We are just vibrating energy. That's what we are. Speaking of vibrating energy, tell us about your book. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fun and that's nice, cool. Because nice we segue. feel like you meet somebody and all of a sudden it's like, ooh, no, or ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tell us about our vibes. Well, the book, you know, because vibes mean so many things, I first had to start out like, okay, I want to talk about all the vibes, but I broke them into three categories to make it like comprehensible because it's sometimes people talk about vibes, it gets mixed up. So I just said there's three types we're going to talk about. Conscious vibes, subconscious vibes, and super conscious vibes. So the sub, the, the conscious vibes are the ones that you get. It's a felt, it's a, it's a sensed perception, a felt experience based on information coming into your senses. So it's your conscious mind is aware of it and you have a reaction to it, um, like a smile. Um, or when a couple decides to have like a rustic theme for the wedding, right? They choose the things to put around that people are going to see and it's going to inspire happiness and carefree nature or something. So that's that's conscious vibes. And they're very important because they affect us. Um, I don't talk much about that in the, the book because my work has been more in the really sub, the subconscious and the superconscious. So the subconscious vibes are super cool and super powerful. Um and they are reactions we get based on information that's not obvious to us. Our conscious mind doesn't know that it's there, but it has the effect, has an effect on our body, and it kind of bubbles up from our subconscious mind as this feeling or vibe. And that's more like the type you're talking about when you, you know. So when you meet a new person, of course, what they're wearing can give you a vibe. But I think what you were alluding to, that feeling you get from somebody, 
it's not what they're wearing. Right? It's not they're smiling or not. It's more like a mm, something, something else. So, you know, so much to talk about that. Uh, and so the book also does it, you know, I try very light on the science, but give my, like my favorite examples of science that support things, both kind of in the woo-woo world, but also in just like there are mundane explanations for things. Um, you know, one of the funny ones in terms of subconscious vibes is there is a chemical in women's tears. So you cannot smell it. So this is not a conscious vibe because there's no smelling involved, but it is a chemical that can be picked up. And so they did the experiment. They collected tears from women watching sad movies, put them underneath, put it underneath men's noses, and then accept, you know, control condition with the just the, the water, salt water. And showed that it reduced men's libido. They were they were not interested in sex. And they even showed that at the level of testosterone hormone decrease in their blood. So the vibe, the subconscious vibe that the guy's getting is like, yeah, I'm not really into this, you know, mm -mm. Um, all from this odorless chemical that's emitted from women's tears. So, I mean, that's really surprising because, you know, you, I mean, I would think, oh, they're going to, and they did measure for the emotional change in the men. Like, did they get sad? No, they just got, their libido went down. So that's an example of subconscious vibe. And then the superconscious vibe, that's where comes from the superconscious mind they get connected with everything mind um, where our separation dissolves and i think that's where the spiritual healing and these kinds of psychic um, experiences basically are manifest so you know earlier you mentioned about how you know we're all just running around and we think we're separate you know we got our our ego mind does a job you know we need it to do that job once in a while but but not 24 seven, right? So, you know, part of the, the goal of the book for me is just like a beginner's guide to kind of how to get a handle and chill down your vibes and um, be able to influence other people in that way. But the best kind of almost all the techniques are about quieting down the mind and allowing this separation that is an illusion to dissolve and being in, you know, basically feeling the presence and connectedness with all that is. And then that's when you get the superconscious vibes. And I think that, you know, it feels different for everybody. Um, Qigong, you know, there's exercises in there on Qigong and how to, how to get to that state. And uh, I think the you know, the more we have that, I think it's going to really help. I think it can lead to not only healthier people, but a, a more peaceful society. So I, I hope love that it. has an impact. Yeah. Well, I'm picking up your vibes and they're good because I was just going to ask you the importance of being in the present moment. And yeah. you just slid in there with that. <laughs> we're so, we're honest, honest to God. We are so busy, I think, with technology and there's just stuff happening all the time. And I know it's when the mind is at rest or I'm very present that things happen and I've taken enough medium classes and that's mm. just where you are. And some medium teachers say, you know, pay attention to your feeling, your belly, you know, yeah. the vibe thing. And then once you're that present, all of a sudden there could be thoughts or feelings or a taste of apple strudel comes in your mouth, you know, and you're working with somebody and yeah. you just know things. Yeah. So maybe that's that whole super conscious level i think it is um you mentioned the feeling 
paying attention to the feeling in your belly, there's a fun experiment I talk about in the book. Uh, actually, was done by Dean Radin and Marilyn Schlitz in 2015, which was doing a telepathy experiment. But instead of like the receiver receiving the telepathic waves, like using their brain to receive, they put electrodes on the gut. So they were looking at the enteric nervous system. So basically the gut brain and seeing if the gut brain was a more reliable pick, you know, more reliable about picking up telepathic messages from a partner, partially because kind of what we were talking about, you know, you can, I mean, I can only shut off my internal dialogue for like a fraction of a second here and there. Right. And so you can imagine, you know, you're taking a test or you're filling out the questionnaire and like, okay, well, the last two times it was A, so it can't be A again, right? It's, it's got to be B this time. And so all this rational stuff could come in and mess with the kind of the clear telepathic signal. At least that was, you know, kind of their hypothesis. And and it, it really turned out really well. So um, that was published and we're now repeating that with, again, you know, you expand it, you have control groups and actually some fun new types of um, stimuli, but I can't talk about it in case any of your listeners want to be a participant in our experiment. If you live near, you know, out near San Francisco um, and you want to be in a gut telepathy experiment, give me a call. And how, tell us a little bit about the Institute, because I know that you've got some good things coming up there and there are different experiments and there's classes and, there's a whole wealth of information. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're we're 50 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, founded by Edgar Mitchell, who was the sixth man to walk on the moon. Had this epiphany looking back at Earth from space that science and spirituality had to be merged. And so created this little ragtag team. Um, we're a small group. We've got about five scientists, all interdisciplinary. We have an experience and engagement team, which is all about kind of taking the science and creating experiences for people, just like the courses, um, the, the lucid dreaming course that you just mentioned. Um, so this kind of those two, it's like science part and the experience part. We, As I mentioned earlier on, m- many of my beliefs and my passion for all that I do in science comes from personal experiences. So we realized that, you know, of course, as scientists, we want to publish in peer-reviewed scientific journals so that we contribute to science and other scientists can build together, you know, be part of that team building knowledge. Um, And at the same time, we recognize that, first of all, it's not going to reach that many people because there's that many scientists that, you know, are reading the journal called Traumatology, for example. Um, And it's a very different enterprise you know thinking about something logically and putting rational stuff together partially i think that that can open up people's minds and then they're not blocking their access to these types of experience so that can be helpful um but it's some oftentimes i think more powerful to give people tools just to experience it for themselves and then once they experience it they can just like you know you just oh this is you know real i can feel it it's affecting me and then again, back on the other side, what I tried to put, you know, put in the book for folks that already are feeling it and believing it, but everybody around them is telling them that they're cuckoo banana crackers, right? So 
I put in there some of the best science that shows that these practices have really beneficial effects on your health. So, you know, we could talk about that a bit, but um, I, so I think there's value in that. So yeah, I've gone on a tangent, but our, our Institute kind of, it's, I was just trying to say that we're interested in both the science and the experience and we're, we're out in the San Francisco Bay area and um yeah, we just try to do basic research on on consciousness related stuff. Wow, I know the wonderful Lauren who set us up today sent me a, a little article. She's from Ions. It says our latest research dives deep into the profound relationship between our minds and bodies, revealing how our mental state can dramatically impact our physical well being and vice versa. In a world grappling with rising mental health concerns and healthcare challenges. IONS offers fresh insights that can reshape our understanding of holistic well-being. Our findings bridge ancient wisdom and cutting-edge science, providing both tangible evidence and actionable strategies for better health. It's like, yay! There we go. Very well said. Well, I came from you guys. I just read it. <laughs> Thanks, Lauren. Yeah. Um, I saw a, a just couple minute YouTube video that you said you had a noetic experience. Can you tell that story of the blue oh. heron? Oh, the blue heron. Oh, that yeah. was amazing. Yeah, I was on vacation in Italy and I had a very, very vivid dream. So this was not a lucid dream, um, but it was one of those dreams that feels like a big dream. Like this is like very important. Um, and there were, you know, people in my family involved at which I'll skip otherwise I'll start crying, but very dramatically in the, in the moment in the dream, a big, gorgeous, majestic blue heron soared over my shoulder. I could hear, hear it and feel the air and of course see it. And it was so majestic. And I remember just being in awe of it. And I, looked then i just turned and i looked and left and then i saw i was at a river in the bank and there were two white heron uh egrets white snowy egrets and i was like i woke up i told my wife i said wow that's such an intense dream and such amazing imagery and she was like okay get ready to go we're gonna get out and see the sunrise because we were supposed to she had this plan we were going to go take a picture of the sunrise over this bridge and i don't remember what city absolutely gorgeous and so we're like, okay, grab stuff and run out. It's pitch black and uh, get all set up, freezing cold. And so I'm just the assistant here to get ready for the photography. And then as sun just starts rising, this the scene happens to me, not with my family, but the uh, great blue heron flew in the exact same way, the sound and the feeling of it and the maj majesty and then i was like should i look should i look and i look over and then there are two of the white egrets right there and it's like i mean i just it was a scene from my future a physical scene from my future that manifest as a dreamscape hours earlier i don't know what that's about i don't know i have any idea what that's about um but a boy oh boy did it you know give me this the goosebumps. <laughs> you gave me the goosebumps just now. And I heard the yeah. story earlier. <laughs> yeah, we are so much more than we know. And it's great to be investigating this. Yeah. That dream that you had about the heron. Yeah. 
was it a real clear dream or was it one of those dreams that just kind of fades away? Because I, I oh, seem to think there's a couple of different kinds of dreams. And I know people that have had what we call dream visitations of their loved ones. It's like mm. they really believe it. They can remember it. People who have had near-death experiences, they're so clear, better than any memory they've ever had. And I'm just wondering if when we tap into that part of ourselves, it, is it more than just a dream? You know, do we remember yeah. Than a dream. Just curious. Well, to answer that dream is very clear, just as you say, one that'll stick with me. Um, and I want to share more than I a little bit more that Charlie Morley was teaching the folks. And it's important too that um to say that the lucid, so like 75% of the dreamers in this study did achieve lucidity with this this just one week of doing this workshop, which was pretty cool. That's big um, news. That's big it, news. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was very nice, especially because we were I would you know from the start this first time we tried to apply science to this we knew Charlie's workshops were great and people had wonderful experiences, but we didn't know if we start tinkering around asking questions. I was collecting saliva from some people like, is it going to mess with the mojo? But absolutely not. The opposite happened. It was one of the highest um, percentage of people getting lucid. But importantly, what I want to share about this is you, the people that didn't get lucid they also still benefited. I mean they went through. Dream sharing in the morning, there was a strong uh, group coherence. There was reframing of, of the power of dreams. And Charlie talked a, a lot about other kinds of dreams, like the ones that you're just describing. You you know, those are also powerful. So it's not just like it. You, if you don't get lucid, you're not going to get any benefit. Not at all. There's a whole range of benefit you can get. And, you know, the, you know I mentioned big dream before so that's just like a, a term that charlie would use that i think describe that what you're talking about one that's really really vivid you're going to remember it it's like you know it's not just a fading it's not going to go around the corner it's it's solidly on this side where you're gonna where you're gonna keep it wow do, do you know about the book the wreck of the titan no I heard about that in my adventures you know in all these years someone had written a book I don't know if it was 20 years before the Titanic was built and it sank, but they wrote a book called The Wreck of the Titan. Oh. And it was so close. It was where the Titanic went down. It was almost exactly the uh, speed it was going. It didn't have enough lifeboats. It hit an iceberg. Wow. And it, it just gives me chills thinking about it because whoever the author was, had this great idea, right? Yeah. But did he tap into the future? Yeah. Because so close to what actually happened that it just mm. leaves you wondering, you know, who are we and, and what's possible? I mean, this what we're talking about now is probably the tip of the iceberg. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Really, because there's so much more to us than meets the eye. Yeah, for sure. And I love that you guys over at ions are digging into it all uh, because the ego mind i know my ego mind when i started out in this thought none of this could be real like i knew better <laughs> who am i to know better right? <laughs> who am i you know i used to think people who had near-death experiences saw the white light oh that's just the brain shutting down it's very very egotistic about it not realizing yeah. that this has been studied forever and there's like great evidence um yeah. i forgot where i was going with that 
yeah, I lost it. <laughs> I was so in the moment. That's <laughs> all right. Well, you I'm know, looking. I would uh, I would share that at the a little nugget at the end of the book, just for for folks. We're talking about people having experiences, and you know, these the techniques in the book. It's it is kind of a beginner's book. You know, the techniques. If, if your listeners are longtime meditators, they'll likely recognize some of the old favorites. I mean, there's you know slow breathing techniques for chanting, EFT tapping. I said as I mentioned qigong, um, but in terms of like getting for yourself, experiencing and you know gaining confidence in your your abilities. At the at the end of the book is a there's a self test, a self test for moving the energy in your body. That's you can just do, and then you can just you don't need to believe anybody writing any books or any scientific papers. You can just do this test on yourself, and uh, I think that it, it's very empowering. It's really really cool. This is your book. Why vibes matter? Why vibes matter? Okay, that's the one. Yeah, I've I took a remote remote viewing course, a weekend course with uh, Russell Targ. Oh, yeah. Had experience after experience. And that just completely opened my mind up to there's a lot of stuff going on here, a lot possible. And yeah, I did a lot of practicing on that. And if I could see what's on the table of my friend in Australia, and I'm in Boston, Massachusetts, like, there's something going on. So I encourage listeners and viewers, you know, check out the book, Why Vibes Matter. And even join me in the lucid dreaming or, Mm -hmm. or investigate it yourself, because it's great for people to say this stuff happens, but it's a whole different world when it happens to you. And it's like, if that's possible, what else is possible? And suddenly it opens up that my loved ones could still be around, that we do go on after physical death, There's that there's so much more. And I think, because I feel like you're very passionate about this. I'm very passionate about it. And when we follow our passions, good stuff happens. Because mm-hmm. we're having an extraordinary conversation right now, and I'm so happy. You can probably <laughs> feel the vibes. But yeah, to have those personal experiences. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Is there anything else you want to share about your work, what you're passionate about, what's going on at IONS or um, anything before we say our goodbyes for the day? Mm, I just say, you know, you, I would say check out the website because there's different things there. And, but in particular, if there's a section on participate in research, and that's where we are recruiting participants that want to be kind of part of the ongoing studies. And, um, you know, I, I mentioned the gut telepathy experiment. Um, it's not on there yet because we're still putting everything in place. But early next year, that'll be up there. So anybody that's, uh, again, they have to be local to the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, but there are other experiments on there that are conducted remotely. So kind of online things. So you don't have to be local to take part in experiments. So you could just go on there and see what's up. And then, you know, they do, you know, there's new ones coming next year. Um, so if you don't see something that you want to be in, you can, you can check back. Well, I think it's important to stay plugged in. 
So the website, you can either go to noetic.org or ions.org, I-O-N-S.org. And just stay plugged in, put a little note in your calendar, just check out what's going on on the site. Because there are plenty of people, as we know, as our friends at the Institute that are trying to bridge science and um, consciousness. And it's fascinating. It is completely Mm. fascinating. Well, Dr. Garrett Yant, thank you for being our guest today. My pleasure. I loved it. I loved it. And for our (laughs) listener or our viewer, thank you for taking the time out of your day and being with us. Uh, Just a reminder, there's a lot to investigate at noetic.org website. Be sure to check out Garrett's book, Why Vibes Matter. Understand your energy and learn how to use it wisely. Sounds great. And also, as a reminder, go to wedontdie.com. And that's my home base. You can find so many great things there. I have this show where I interview people, We Don't Die Radio. And then I also have Shades of the Afterlife. That's on iHeartRadio. That's me reporting in on the afterlife. So there can be several different topics. But you can find all 550 plus hours of stuff with me there. So we don't die.com. So in closing, my name is Sandra Champlain. I've been your host on We Don't Die Radio. I do believe that life is an education for the soul and your life here on earth is important. So pay attention to those feelings. Get in the present moment. Just by being part of this conversation today, I think we're all left open to there's more to you than meets the eye. For sure. There definitely is. So I really want to thank you for listening or for watching, and we'll see you again soon.